Good evening and welcome back to Evening Thoughts. My name is Sam and I'm the host of this podcast. And we talk about things like faith, life, death, and the beyond. I am a Christian who is in love with Jesus and I am convinced that no matter what season of life that you are in, God is with you and he loves you. This podcast is a way for me to remind you of those truths And whether you are a new listener or a returning listener, I'm so happy to be with you again this evening. I would love to hear from you. You can visit me on my website at theeveningthoughts.com. Please feel free to leave me a voice message or a written message, and I'll get back to you as soon as I am able. With that said, let us get into the topic for tonight. This episode is entitled, Learning to Love Your Mentally Ill Friends and Family Members. Now, as you know, on this podcast, I have spoken at length about physical illness and even death and how as Christians, our faith in Christ deepens our hope and gives us strength through some of life's most intense moments. Topics like this matter to me. Number one, as a Christian, I want to know how I can navigate through the pain that I see in the world and in my own life. I want to know how my faith and suffering reconciles in Christ. And number two, as a Navy chaplain, I want to encourage you and remind you that you are not alone in your faith. I want to encourage you that you don't have to grieve alone. As some of you may know very well, grief can isolate us from others, and when we allow Christ to deepen our faith when we're hurting, it allows us to invite others into our lives, and God uses other people to minister to us. God uses others to remind us of His presence in our lives and how much He loves us. I make it my aim to point to Jesus as most often as I can Because Jesus is our ultimate hope and peace in this life and for those who suffer physical pain and death. But what I have failed to do so far is to address another kind of illness. Mental illness is much more common than we realize. And I did a little research and according to the National Institute of Mental Health, one in five American adults live with a mental illness, one in five. So no one is exempt from mental illness. Anyone can have mental illness regardless of your age, gender, or ethnic background. I will never forget when I met Jim. Jim was an accomplished professor at a prestigious university, and I met him in a hospital psychiatric ward. The hospital where I was a chaplain at the time, this was About seven years ago, uh, it had a special part of the hospital called the Behavioral Health Unit, and the patients on that floor were admitted for all kinds of mental illness. Whenever I walked into that unit, it was so different than any other place in the hospital because the doors were locked, and I had to use my badge to alert the nurse to come and open the door for me to enter. And from what I've heard from some of the nurses, they had issues with patients trying to escape. So the security on that floor was especially high compared to the other areas of the hospital. 
when I walked into Jim's room, he was in his hospital gown, and he stood up as I introduced myself. He looked frail, and he looked as if he would fall over from a summer's breeze. I shook his hand, and I could see fresh tears outlining the brim of his eyes. His voice shook as he told me his name. My name is Jim, he said. His lips formed a smile, but his eyes were terrified. His glances darted from the door to me, then to the floor, then back to the door. As we sat down to talk, I discovered that he was incredibly articulate and explained in clear detail about what he was experiencing. He said, Chaplain, I am not myself. I hear voices that tell me to hurt myself, and so I voluntarily decided to come here because I can't trust myself to keep me safe anymore. As he said this, his hands came up to his chin and covered his mouth as tears began to roll down his thin, wrinkled cheeks. His breath came in short bursts of muffled cries, and, and I remember saying to him, Jim, that sounds scary to me. Is that how it feels like for you? He nodded yes as his eyes continued to go back from me to the door, then back to me. I remember sitting with Jim for about an hour. I listened to his story, and as he cried, I put my hand on his shoulder and comforted him. And about an hour into our conversation, his son came to visit him, which was a great relief for him. I excused myself, and as I walked away, something about that interaction stayed with me. I thought, you know what? Illness is illness, whether it is physical or mental. Does this story sound familiar to you at all? You may have a friend or family member who is ill, but their illness may not be physical nor tangible. Physical illness, although horrible and incredibly difficult, can be observed and seen. And so I think for some people, they find it easier to identify with and sympathize with those who are ill or near physical death. But mental illness has been and still is very much misunderstood. And many who suffer from mental illness don't seek treatment and some may never even seek professional help. In some cultures like my own, uh, in the Korean culture, talking to a counselor or a therapist is seen as shameful and often looked down upon. Now, there are many factors that may play into mental illness. It may be biochemical, it can be environmental, and even your genes may play a role. But for all those who suffer from mental illness, the experience can be extremely scary, frustrating, embarrassing, and confusing. Many delay getting treatment and help, and they may never get the attention that they deserve. This can lead to substance abuse, self-medication, and unfortunately, attempts to find their own solution, and the long-term effects for some uh, can lead to higher rates of suicide. As I was doing my research, I, I, I realized that I don't know as much as I need to know, and I want to learn more about mental illness so that I can love those in my life who battle mental illness every day, and I think our friends and families deserve better. One other reason why a person may suffer from mental illness may be spiritual in nature. 
However, I think it is all too often that Christians tend to interpret mental illness as demonic influence or oppression. Now, I do believe that demons can do that, but what if we take the time to get to know the person, hear their story, be heartbroken for them, and consider praying and sharing the truth of Scripture in loving, kind, and gentle ways rather than automatically labeling them as demon-possessed? For that person, perhaps both medication and prayer is what will help. Let us not discredit that God uses medication to alleviate our ailments, including those of chemical imbalance. When I was younger, I often was too quick to attribute something I didn't understand to demonic sources, but perhaps we should be slow to jump to conclusions and consider that there may be other factors at work. If you have mental illness, I want to encourage you. I want to let you know that God loves you. Mental illness is not your identity. It does not encapsulate all that you are. You may feel ashamed or you may feel disappointed in yourself. The numerous visits to the mental treatment facility and being put on a 72-hour hold is not all that you are because you are far more than that. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 through 17 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When you are afraid, put your trust in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord. Put your mind on the Lord. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 13 says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. If you're listening tonight and you feel dejected, if you feel defeated, if you feel hopeless, you may have been given a diagnosis, but you are much more than what the doctor says you are. You are more than your symptoms. You are more than the solitude. You are more than your private agony. You are more than bipolar. You are more than schizophrenic. You are loved by God. You are his precious daughter. You are his precious son. You are his child. You see, there's not one of us who has a leg up on another person when it comes to God. There's not one of us that have it totally put together. None of us are above another person in the eyes of God. We're all broken physically and mentally. We're all totally depraved physically and mentally. What I want to say to you is your identity is not your diagnosis. Your identity is in Jesus and what he's done for you on the cross. Because the cross is the great equalizer. It puts everyone on an equal plane. You may be bipolar until the Lord takes you home. You may have schizophrenia until the Lord takes you home. But it does not affect who you are in Christ. And it has no power over your eternal security in Jesus. If you have a family member or friend who is mentally ill, you must learn to love them all over again. Now, when I say this episode is called Learning to Love Your Mentally Ill Family Member or Loved One, I'm not saying that you've stopped loving them at some point and that you must love them again. 
What I mean is that we must find new ways to love them. There is someone very close to me who has mental illness, and over the years, I've had to love them in the ways that they deserve and need. For example, I've had to not take things so personally. Sometimes your loved one may say something that is not normally within the realm of their character. Sometimes they may forget an important anniversary or they may seem insensitive. Don't take it so personally when this happens. And I know that this is easier said than done, and it is still a learning point for me as well. And I imagine that it will always be. Still, the goal remains the same. Learning to not take things too personally is a skill that we may have to learn, and it will serve us well. Another way to love your loved one or friend or family member who is mentally ill is to remember that God is the healer and not you. It's not me. It's not us. What I mean is that it is not our job to make them better. God can heal, and he does in his own wisdom and time. However, God's wisdom may look very different than our own and our own expectations. If God chooses not to heal, remember that he is still God. Sometimes God chooses to use medication to help the person find a new sense of normacy. God can use counselors and therapists too. Now, what I would recommend is a counselor and a therapist who loves Jesus and speaks from the truth of Scripture. Your loved one may never be the person they were before, but that doesn't mean that they can't live a full and meaningful life with the help of professional Christian counselors or therapists. Don't try to fix your loved one. Rather, entrust them into the hands of God. Trust in His love for you and your loved one. And even it is not the way that you had imagined, know that He is still very much in control and He has a reason and purpose for what He does. When the person close to me began to show signs of their mental illness, I didn't do a good job of being patient with them. And looking back, I can't imagine how confusing and possibly scary it was for them to experience this for the first time. Just as they were doing their best to cope through it, I know that I was doing my best. And, and now that I understand that my initial response of anger was coming from a place of misunderstanding. I blamed them for what was going on, and I just wanted them to stop behaving that way when in reality... They were trying their best to make sense of all that was going on. Sometimes their actions were hurtful and my response was hurtful. At times their words were piercing and harsh words were exchanged from both parties. When these times come, would you remember that behind the harsh words and hurtful actions, there exists your spouse, your daughter, your son, your father, mother, friend, and even your significant other. They are your loved ones. Keep that in mind as I keep that in my mind as well. Now, I'm not advocating that we don't hold them responsible for their actions. I'm not a proponent of enabling people to continue in their demise, and people are responsible for words spoken and actions that they take. Consequences are a natural product of what we say and do. I'm responsible for my words and my actions as well. When navigating mental illness with your family, it is important to show God's grace every single day and forgive easily, 
but also maintain that wrong is wrong and hurtful actions and words do have consequences. And sometimes you may have to remove yourself from that relationship for a season so that both of you guys can come back better later. Another important element in loving your mentally ill family member or friend is to ask them how you can love them better, discuss with them what they need from you, and then do your best to put yourself in their shoes and come up with a plan together to figure out what the new normal may look like. Now, it may take several false starts. It may need some tinkering and some adjusting. And you may need to adapt and things may change around and that's okay. It's okay to not to get it right the first time or even the 10th time. The most important thing is that you do it together. After a while, take an inventory of what has worked and what is not working and ask your loved one, was that helpful and how can we do better? I hope that through this podcast episode that we can all increase our awareness about the need to engage mental illness and our faith in Jesus. Our family members deserve us to educate ourselves and learn more about their illness. We need to learn and grow along with them and help them not to feel so alone in their pain and suffering. The truth is that our God is a God who understands suffering And his response to a suffering world was to love the world and send his only son into that world so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So let us walk with that same humility. Let us walk in that posture of humility with our loved ones with mental illness. Know that we can only do so much. Know that ultimately entrusting our loved ones to Jesus is the best way to walk with them. Jesus is our greatest physician of the soul. He alone heals. He alone brings life. He alone brings peace and rest in the midst of chaos. How about for you? How has mental illness affected you and your family? How are you and your spouse and family navigating this with your loved one or friend? What stressors and challenges have you faced as a result of mental illness in your family? I would love to hear from you and to learn from you. Again, please reach out to me at theeveningthoughts.com and you can leave me a message and I would love to hear your story. If you're able, would you pray with me? God, your love knows no bounds. You love in a way that boggles my mind and even when we were sinners, you died for us, Jesus. Thank you that you don't give up on us even when we are in our worst. God, I want to pray for those who have mental illness and their families and friends. In the brokenness, you're still God. You're still in control. Would you let these families and friends find new ways to love each other, to point one another to Jesus, and for them to find hope that the world does not understand. Help them to find rest knowing that, Jesus, you have it all in your hands. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Well, that is it for me this evening. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Evening Thoughts. And like always, take care of yourselves. And until next time, peace and blessings. Good night.